have you heard about Anchor? It's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me fill you in on a few things. Like first and foremost, it's free. And there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Then Anchor is going to distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on multiple platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and so many more. Even better, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And it's so easy, even somebody like me can do it. Now download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And I know you hear me. Hi, I'm Will Harridge, and I'm an audio engineer. But you would not believe the amount of mediocre voice actors I get in on the daily. It's scary, honestly. I always want to recommend them to Elise Bowman, who's the best voice acting coach I know. But I'm always afraid I'm going to offend them and be out of a job. Thankfully, I send the best ones over to her anyway over at EliseCoaches.com, and they keep coming back. Hi, I'm one of the mediocre talents that Will has to work with. And really, I'm thinking about looking up Elise myself. Go look at Elise Coaches today and start your career without ending mine. What he said. All right, all right. We are back again for another awesome week on the I Know You Hear Me podcast. And guys, I'm going to go ahead and be 100% honest. This is one I am excited to jump into today. Our guest is somebody that I became familiar with through his now wife from the Adam Carolla show. And he is somebody that since I've gotten into improv too, I've become a huge fan of his podcast and just the different actors and his co-host that he has on there as well. And we're going to jump into all that here in just a minute. But before we do, of course, I got to take a minute and thank our sponsors for keeping this show going. And I got to thank you, the audience, for keeping this show going as well. You tune in every week, you show the support, you leave the five-star reviews on iTunes, you follow us on all the social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You guys keep this show going and I really appreciate that from the bottom of my heart. But now, without further ado, like I said, I'm excited to jump into this one. My guest today is not only an improv artist, he's part of Will Ferrell's Big Money Players Network, and he's also the co-host with Aristotle Atari of This American Laugh. It's my pleasure to have on the show today, Andy Harris. Hey! How's it going, Andy? Fantastic. Fantastic. I am uh, I am excited to have you on here, man. And like I was saying kind of in the introduction there, I became familiar with you through your now wife, Gina Grad, on the Adam Carolla show. I would hear her mention you and then became familiar with you on Twitter through your uh, Emperor Palpatine reading Trump tweets and right. now right. your Marjorie Taylor Greene, you know, <laughs> videos like you're just crushing it, man. It's awesome oh. stuff. So, oh, thank you. It is, a, it is a huge pleasure to have you on here tonight, so I can't thank you enough. Oh, my pleasure. All right, man. So let, let's jump right into it. I want to know, I want to start from the very beginning, man. Like, what got mm. you into acting? What got you into improv? Like, how did this all start for Andy? Oh, man. Well, performing, I suppose, it started in uh, fourth or fifth grade when uh, I would rip off SNL sketches and pass them off as my own and get my <laughs> classmates to uh, to act them out for the teacher. And, uh, you know, c- cut to later, I, uh, I actually have been in broadcasting for uh, 20 years, I guess. I mean, since, since college. I uh, went to college, uh, bombed out because I just didn't go to classes. Right, right. And begged my parents to let me uh enroll in a broadcasting school in charlotte it was like a six month nine month something like that program Mm -hmm. it was called the carolina school of broadcasting and then i just got a bunch of internships and then you know very low paying jobs i think i think my first job was at a, a radio station in dallas north carolina I had no idea such a place existed. Same here, same uh, here. And it was an AM station that basically they were just like re-airing, they were just airing syndicated programming and uh, I would just sit in there and run a board for eight hours. And by the time I would leave, I would get in my car, 
I would leave the parking lot and the signal would fade in my car. That's how, oh, that's how man. small of a station it was. <laughs> then I interned at a radio station in Charlotte, then got a production job there. Nice. Um, I worked for the NBA for a while, doing all the in-game music and sounds for the mm-hmm. uh, for the Charlotte Hornets and then the Bobcats. And then the baseball team, the baseball team there, like all the sports teams in Charlotte, I would do the sound. For, right, except for, right. Except, except for the Panthers. And then I applied for a job out here do, in L.A. doing production for a radio station out here and got the job out here. Moved out here 15 years ago and uh, stayed out here. And now I voice and produce uh, radio, like countdown shows for uh, for iHeart uh, Radio. And I also do, like, I, I write and voice and produce comedy for morning shows, for radio morning shows. Oh, okay, cool. I didn't, I didn't know that part of the story right there. How, yeah. did, how did you uh, get into that? How did that portion of the journey there? How did you start doing the comedy writing? Um, it was just like it, it was just freelance. the The morning show at the station that I worked at, mm-hmm. you know, every station needs like comedy bits and parodies yeah. and stuff. And one day, I just kind of took it upon myself to to write something for them, just like a quick into commercial thing or, or something. I, I can't remember what it was. And then I started kind of freelancing for other shows, and then uh, and that kind of became my bread and butter. Nice and. Uh, and so I kind of do do all of it. And then I got into Im- doing improv on stage, I think, 08 or 09. Mm-hmm. I started taking classes at the uh, – I started taking improv classes at the Upright Citizens Brigade in L.A. And uh, stuck with it because I the, – the reason why I started doing it was to kind of make me better at the structure of comedy and the structure of like how a scene should be for the purpose of doing radio. I gotcha. But then I just started loving it and kind of right. loved, loved the community and, you know, met some great people and the, the rush of, li- you know, live on stage was, was great. And oh I yeah, stuck with it and finished the program and took sketch classes there too. And uh, for a while, I did a regular show at IO West for a while. I did a sketch show at IO West for a while. I just uh, for for a while there, I was almost every night I was doing some Man. sort of live show. So, like you said, you can't you can't beat the rush of that live stage performance either. Yeah, um, it was it was great. There, there used to be I used to work on a um, a show at IO West before it closed down called Top Story Weekly. Mm-hmm. I used to uh, write for them, and then I joined the cast, and it was it was basically an SNL type, right? Weekly weekly live show, and that was great. That was uh, uh, my friend Philip Wilburn. He actually did an episode of of, uh, of our podcast, yes. a few few months ago. Yeah, it, it was it was great. It was a great community to be a part of. It was a, a great way to kind of loosen up, and absolutely, light, and kind of get used to kind of really thinking uh, and, and that that works out great in this with this new um the new uh podcast revolution that's happening Ab- that's what- absolutely so like with that whole journey right there i know you said like you you know you bombed out of college and then you um you got into the program and you asked your parents for the help with that were they pretty supportive of all of this like going into that program and then um, everything from there they wouldn't have told me this, but I'm sure that they were disappointed. It, right, you know, because right. I because I, I wasn't completely honest with why I was leaving college. It wasn't exactly admitting that I sucked. Yeah, and was, yeah, I got gotcha. you. Was being politely asked to leave, but you know, like my dad sat me down to his credit. He was like, you know, is this really something that you're interested in doing, or is this like, you know, is is this just going to be until the next thing and i was like i really i'm really into this i I really think that this is something that i want to do and luckily it worked out absolutely and and he takes all of the credit for it (laughs) of course of course that's that's what we that's what the dads do (laughs) but on top of that too like you said you made the big move across the country too what was that process like for you to just uproot everything and then move from you know the carolinas all the way over to california like how was all that for you it was one of the most exhilarating things i've ever done it was nice. great uh, when when i was in charlotte 
I loved it. Yeah. I, I loved all the people. My family's there. My dad's there, you know. But it was like, I need something new. I've kind of like, there, there's not really much more I can do here. Right. That, that was what got me looking for other jobs in the first place. So mm-hmm. I was like, maybe I can, maybe I can make some more money somewhere else. Or maybe yeah. I can like something. Because I was working for all the sports teams. And I was <laughs> working for two radio stations. And I was like, I, I mean, if I'm still kind of struggling and I'm doing all this, I'm just working 14 hour days. Yeah. You know, there has to be something else out there. Absolutely. And, uh, I did not discriminate. I like a- applied to maybe 20 different places. I was sending demos to, mm-hmm. to, to everyone and the state, a station here, a few called me back, maybe two or three. And then uh, a station here in LA, they called me up and said, we like, loved your demo. You want to fly out here to meet I was like, oh, this is great. And then then it was like all kind of a blur. Right. You know, it was like I flew out here. I met with the program director here. I I, I flew here, mm-hmm. interviewed, flew back to Charlotte. The next morning, flew to Houston to work the All-Star game. Wow. Doing sound for the All-Star game. And then I flew back and found out I got the job. And then my dad and I packed up all my stuff. And, mm-hmm. and we drove out here took us five days and it was great they put me up in an apartment here for a couple weeks i mean it was it was terrifying oh absolutely but here's the thing about about moving to a a larger city Mm -hmm. specifically one like la or new york or whatever when you first visit or you're first there you're like oh my god this is like this is surreal this is what a beautiful place and that lasts for like two weeks and then it's like yeah uh, honeymoon phase is over kind of of yeah it's like kind of a place that i live now you almost get angry with people who are here visiting and they're like oh this is great it's like oh you don't you don't know (laughs) but my job was to have uh like if somebody came in to do the morning show they would have to stop by my office and say like hey this is so and so and you're listening they would have to record liners for me yeah i would have to use that for promos and it was cool because i went from charlotte where it was like you know, every once in a while, you'd have like the third string quarterback for the Panthers come in. And you're like, mm-hmm. oh, it's exciting. And then you come out here and it's like every day there's somebody that you're like, oh, man, this is Norm MacDonald. Or, you know, yeah. Like, like, and that was great. And then, you know, that kind of kind of wore off and then it became a, <laughs> just a place that, <laughs> that I live. But I, I would definitely recommend that to anybody to to at least once in your life if, if you're able to at least go after a, a job in like a big, absolutely big market, especially if you're in the media, like in a big market, at, at least apply for it. I mean, right. not necessarily, I mean, you don't have to get it. I mean, it just like, there, there's just something exciting about daydreaming about getting like that big job. You know? Absolutely. And, and a lot of people like what kept me from trying to do it was thinking about the crushing failure of not getting it. Yeah. And, and, you know, that happens all the time. I mean, everybody gets worked out. I would say so. And, uh, you know, that, that crushing fear right there, that trepidation is something that's probably held so many people back from achieving what could have been that dream job or that full potential. So, I mean, it's awesome to hear that you took the chance and you also bet on yourself and you made something happen out of it. I mean, that's an amazing story. Yeah. I mean, and it's like stuff works out. I've got a kid. I've got a wife. I've got, mm-hmm. a, I've got a job here. I've got a oh, life yeah. here. If somebody said, you know, we there's this great opportunity in in New York or wherever, London, who, who knows? It, you know, the, of course, there's always that little part of you that's like, ah, how would I make that work? I can't do that. Right. I mean, I got this here. I got, you know, and you end up ha- making it work. You have to make, it just ends up happening. Absolutely. You know, I mean, so there's never, there's never a really good time to, to completely. That's <laughs> true. That's true. So you might as well. Might as well do it because it's never going to be the right time. Amen to that. Now, going back to like when you got out here, you got involved with the improv. You were doing the the sketch, you know, the sketch shows, and you were doing that, like you said, just about every day. Yeah. It's a, kind of a two part question. When did you feel like everything kind of started clicking for you as far as like your comedic timing and when you felt comfortable, like I guess in your own skin, so to speak? And then also, too, doing it that frequently, like you said, every day. How did you avoid fatigue and burnout in a situation like that, too? Well, the first part of your question is I, I still get nervous before it 
thing. Right. So I get I get nervous before recording a podcast. I get mm-hmm. you know like that never really goes away. And like I'll I'll tell you when it was when things kind of changed. Okay. Okay. So my podcast co-host right now on, on This American Laugh, right? Mm-hmm. Aristotle. All right. We've known each other. We've been doing improv together for about ten years, probably, roughly. We did two man improv for a while, but before that. We were in a, a, a larger group. We had like seven or eight people in this improv group. Right. We were just starting out. This was in 2009. And uh, we were about to go on stage at UCB. Um, for they, they used to have a Friday night show called Let's Do This, run by, uh, I think, Amanda Sitko and Jenny Pearson used to run this show. It, it was like kind of like anybody can... You, you sign up for this show. Yeah. I mean, anybody can get up. You mm-hmm. know? And uh, you just have to be patient enough to wait however many months. So we're backstage sitting there and Robin Williams comes in, comes backstage. Wow. And I, I guess it wasn't too uncommon for, well, first of all, for, for a, a big name to come backstage and mm-hmm. hang out in the green room on any night. But I guess he, he used to hang around the theater a lot. And, uh, you know, we're, you know, all acting like we're, we're cool and like, yeah, no, this is totally normal, you know. This, yeah. this, this guy back here hanging out. And he goes, uh, w- would you mind if I came out on stage with you guys? Wow. And we're like, <laughs> you know, like, and we're like, uh, yeah, I guess that's all right. <laughs> yeah. Okay, fine. So I had a friend in town, <laughs> a friend from high school in town, and he's like, hey, uh, I'm going to come watch your improv show. Is that all right? I was like, oh, man, you don't want to do that. I mean, it's going to be terrible i mean we're not not that great <laughs> so he comes to the show and so we walk out and they said with a special guest here's robin williams and he comes out and everybody's just like oh my god and i look at this friend of mine who's in town he's like is it like this every week <laughs> oh my god and he he was up there doing he did a 30 minute long set with us and then afterwards wow. we we hung out backstage in the green room for a while and he and Ari got into like a rap battle and, uh, and then he hung out and then outside after the show, after the the theater had closed, Mm -hmm. he hung out with us again afterwards and like was chatting it up and talking to us about, you know, telling us old stories about, you know, red Fox, whatever. And uh, amazing. It was, yeah, it was great. And then after, so after that, like we felt like we were, like the shit like yeah. we were like the stars of the of the improv community like robin williams came on i mean it, it wasn't the case i mean we were just uh, you know we were all right 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 but that that was kind of the changing moment of like okay well i guess i belong here and like i'm if i can get up on stage with robin williams and and not piss my pants and yeah like, you know then then maybe this will work out and that kind of changed it. Like I, like I felt Absolutely. like I had, like we all did. We felt like we had achieved like a, just a different status of like, of being able to hang with the pros. Yeah. And so after that, it was like, it was easy. And then, you know, and, and as for avoiding fatigue, I mean, I, I never really avoided that. I mean, it, it was exhausting because, yeah. you know, you're doing these shows and it's free, you know, you're not, you're not getting mm-hmm. paid for them. It's a grind, but it's oh, yeah. fun. I mean, because you're just you're getting about on stage and you're getting the adrenaline of of doing a stupid improv show that like is just kind of a fuck around yeah. for for a half hour, and it, it's great. And uh, you know, it turns out that I made a, a lifelong working partner, a, a friend in in that community, and like it's it's great. I, I and it and it made me a much better. It, it it made me more able to to kind of assemble a comedy bit in my head quickly and absolutely act it out quickly just I all those that. reps yeah. all, all those reps over and over again for for a few years mm-hmm. and then and then all the theaters closed and uh you know the, the, the pandemic came and then the only place to do improv was on Zoom and or in a podcast so right and that's that's kind of like where after I got out of the independent wrestling business for a little bit Improv was how I started kind of feeding that performance itch and all of my improv now has been through Zoom outside of a few local shows here in Nashville. When you started doing the shows on Zoom, was it harder to fill that connection with your other with your fellow performers than it was, uh, you know, like doing it in person to the computer screen or Zoom make any difference in that for you? 
Yeah, it did. A few times I did a friend of mine who who was in a we were in an improv group together and we, we had a weekly we did a weekly show at IO West. Um he actually moved back to Omaha mm-hmm. and, he, and he opened up a theater in Omaha called The Back Line and uh, during the pandemic he would do a a week pretty regular imp- yeah. Zoom improv shows. And he did this one that was uh, I can't. I can't remember what it was called. Car- Cards of Destiny. He did a show called Cards of Destiny. It was more short form uh, improv games mm-hmm. as opposed to like a long form, like you're doing a thirty minute like building a, an entire show. Right. And it was great. It was. It was good to like be able to remember how to activate that part of your brain and like mm-hmm. just you know trying to think of stuff on the spot. I didn't really feel like I knew any of those people. Except for, right. Except for, except for Dylan. So that's why it's like I was so grateful that we started doing this podcast, this, yes. this improvised podcast. Um, for a while during the pandemic, I did. I started doing an improvised podcast by myself called Andy Harris, Everybody, where I would basically I would ask Gina to give me a one word suggestion from mm-hmm. the next room. And then I would just crack the mic and just act out a bunch of scenes with nice myself like hey how you doing ah, i'm doing great okay good and then i would edit all that together yeah and j- just to keep th- keep it fresh like keep it like just to still remember how to do it yeah even if absolutely it was alone <laughs> the thing about the pandemic was it was like it kind of forced you to find ways to really keep it going yes you, like, very keep true thing going so you so you don't so the dust doesn't settle Absolutely true. And I mean, during the pandemic, too, I know it threw a lot of things out of whack for a lot of different people. But how did y'all get on Will Ferrell's radar to get on the Big Money Players Network? How did that come about? Well, we, we knew we wanted to work on something together. And we did for a while. Mm-hmm. We, we, we did a different podcast for a while, but that it, it kind of stopped when the pandemic yeah. happened. We wanted to work on some stuff together. He, uh, we had a few ideas. We rented a studio in Hollywood one day. And we knocked out a few different episodes of different ideas that we mm-hmm. had kick, kicking around. And then we pitched them, pitched those ideas. And that's, that's who picked it up. Was, nice. Was Big Money Players. And after that, it was all, again, all a blur. Right, I mean, right. It was like, my favorite thing about this whole process has been being able to reconnect with, we're, we're about to record an episode with one of the guys that was in that old improv group that mm-hmm. when Robin Williams came up. Uh, it's It's been a great chance to kind of, to reconnect with him. Absolutely. Um, and with with just the community in general. Yeah. And I know you mentioned uh, Philip Wilburn earlier too. He's actually a, a voice actor that I grew up on. So that was oh, a, yeah. that was a big episode for me because I'm a huge Dragon Ball fan. I do some voiceover work for one of their side companies. So like hearing his like hearing him come on there, I didn't know so much about his improv background, but like hearing the chemistry that you guys had, like you could hear that come through in the podcast. So oh, that's great. Definitely yeah, we, one of my favorites. Been, yeah, we've been friends for a long time. He's uh, that was his show at iOS, the uh, the Top okay. Story Weekly show, the sketch show. Nice. Yeah, he, we've we've been working together for a really long time. Very he's, nice. He's when all this started picking up and the show got picked up, how was it like for you to manage this whirlwind of things that were going on? Now, uh, you know, like you say, like you've got to do so many episodes per that agreement and everything. How did you manage all that? getting married and then keeping your family life. Like how did you keep all of that in check together? Well, luckily I do a lot of Coke. No, um, <laughs> no, I, no, That's I, the secret. Uh, my job is pretty flexible. My yeah. full-time job is pretty flexible. I mean, I can do it. I, I, I'm recording this from my home studio. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I have a six year old son and the entirety of his life. I've been a work from home dad. Right. I I kind of just live a life of deadlines, yeah. As opposed to nine to five. So over the years, I've become really good at like, okay, today I have to do this, 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 this by this time, and mm-hmm. then I'm done. Luckily, I'm just re- a really fast producer. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah, really. I mean, and uh, so so that's made it easier. Plus, you know, Gina, my wife, she's a godsend in that department because you know she she reminds me of things that I have to do. Yeah. 
she makes the kids lunches every day and she reads to him or she has him read to her yeah. every day. And like, <clears throat> luckily it's a well-oiled machine here in this house. Absolutely. Um, it, has, it wasn't always like that, but it's much easier than it, than it used to be. That's for sure. And, you know, it really is like producing of this, uh, this podcast with Ari. We, ha- we really do have it down to, for a while, it was just, you know, chaotic because mm-hmm. we didn't really, we weren't used to the form and we weren't used to, like, we didn't really didn't know what it was going to end up sounding like or yeah. what, it was gonna be, what kind of show it was going to be. But once we figured that out, it's like, bring in the guest, record, you know, I'll edit it, it gets out, boom, it's it's pretty streamlined. Nice. Um, and, and we record it in my office, in my studio, because I have also have a studio. At- right, right full-time employer so it's all just easy absolutely it's a little bit more difficult these days because he's working on snl yep and that was that uh, was actually my next question too like how do you navigate the waters on everything now that he is on snl i know uh at one point you guys did have to uh you know go back into the archives for the podcast and release some like best of and best of previous guests type of things and you even made the announcement like hey the show's not going anywhere but yeah in a situation like that how do you guys navigate the waters and find time to keep the ship going well we just we just learn what each other's schedules are mm-hmm. and then we just bank a bunch of episodes right except for the first month that he was on the show when we were like oh oh this is it was a surprise you know because they don't really let people know that they're even on the show until yeah right before but once that happened you know we found find out when his time off is from the show and then he comes back to la or we work out doing some sort of uh you know virtual recording somehow Mm -hmm. or you know however we end up doing it we just do what we have to do and because really all we care about is the end product not, absolutely not really how, how hard it is to get that to get to it so it's 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 been a little bit of a, a challenge but you know it's it's not like we're dealing with nuclear missiles we're dealing yeah. with <laughs> improvised comedy show oh that might be so, bad yeah i mean I, I guess the probably the most challenging thing is to to find a is to have a guest who yeah. is able to come in on very specific days and times. Right, right. Um, But it hasn't really been a huge issue as of yet. I mean, the the reason why we took those couple weeks off was I I actually loved doing that. I thought that was a great idea to do that because because it it gave people a chance to re-familiarize themselves with some of the guests that we've already had. Mm -hmm. I, I hear two things. I hear... I love the the improvised stuff that you guys do. It's all great. And then I he- hear people say, I love the interviews. That's my favorite part of the show. I, lo- I love hearing about the, the guest life and then cutting to, you know, and acting out this stuff. That, yeah. You know, it was nice to have a few where it was just that. Right. To, absolutely. To, sat- was. to satisfy the people who, who really love that. that yeah. Part of the show. And I, and, and there were some of the interviews that when I was putting them together, like reassembling them. So you could, I was like, Oh, I, Totally forgot how fun this interview with Philip Wilburn was. Yeah. With, so it's it's turned out okay. Nice. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, still still cranking along, still putting out some yep. quality content. Great stuff. If you're not subscribed, we're going to have the notes or the links in the show notes so that you guys can get caught up on that too. And I highly endorse that. So on the comedy route, uh, like I said, one of the things that I referenced when I first introduced you on the show today was what you were doing on Twitter with the Trump tweets as Emperor Palpatine or the Marjorie Taylor Greene tweets, which are hilarious in their self. Like, what got the ball rolling on that? Like, and then was there ever any pushback or any trepidation or worry about any negative pushback on that? Well, the way it started was I saw a tweet. Uh, from Patton Oswalt mm-hmm. when when it was a just a tweet from Trump and he said, please can somebody voice this in the Emperor Palpatine voice? <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah, sure. Like I was just like sitting here and I was like, yeah, okay. And so I replied to it to it and, and he's like, oh my God, this is great, you know. And I was like, oh well, I think I might steal his idea <laughs> and uh and do do a bunch of these. And then uh you know he and I kind of 
I, I would just keep bothering him with these videos of right, <laughs> right. Palpatine. And that's kind of how that came about. I mean, and, and it just kind of kept going probably a little longer than it should have. Cause it was, you know, yeah. I, I really, I really beat the bit into the ground. Right. Right. Um, but you know, it was, it was, it was fine. Cause, cause at the time my kid was really into star Wars Yeah, and I used to do that voice all the time around the, the house because mm-hmm. that that actually is was one of the voices that i do for my job is yeah is i do impressions and stuff and that was one of them and the main reason why i started doing those in a funny way uh was because he used to be really scared of that voice oh really really scared of the emperor <laughs> and so i was like look see look at look how silly he is and then, then he then he loved it. Right, I mean, right. I, I, I actually put him in one of the videos as I had him read one of Don Jr.'s tweets <laughs> as as Junior Al, uh, Palpatine. And, you know, and it, it really was A, just because I'm so thirsty for fame. Right, right. And B, and B, to get this kid over his fear of Emperor Palpatine. Absolutely. And if I'm not mistaken, too, I think you guys actually got the nod from Mark Hamill doing all that, yes. too. Yes. Yeah, well, that that was actually <laughs> that, that wasn't because of that. Oh, that was because I was constantly bothering him, like tagging him and like, "Hey, Mark Hamill, why aren't you acknowledging these videos that I'm doing? <laughs> Come on, man!" And I think finally, his social media manager was like, "You gotta, you gotta acknowledge this guy's existence, otherwise, he's gonna." He, he might be insane. <laughs> um, so that that might be what, more of what that was. Persistence but. pays off, though. Right, right. And as for, you know, pushback or whatever, I mean, I, I don't know. Not really. I mean, I don't really worry too much about that. I mean, yeah. like, th- th- that's that's the thing. Like, I'm, I'm, it's really just I'm making fun of the way these people are. Like, yeah. I'm like, making fun of the, the things that, the, the, that Trump is doing. And, what, and, like, I'm not making fun of the way I'm not making fun of what you are and what you're doing i'm making fun of what this these maniacs are. yes <laughs> like yes. The weird things these people are doing you know some people get get upset by that and yeah that's fine i mean i i also like have no problem making fun of the fact that biden is a thousand years old yes of course you know? i mean like i already have a built-in whatever the opposite of the fan base of a fan base is just because some of my tweets skew a certain way. Right, right. Uh, no, I, so, I get what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's there's just something funnier about making fun of Trump and making yeah. fun of Marjorie Taylor Greene. I mean, it's just, it's, just, it's just funnier to me. And really, it was just an excuse to wear a dress and makeup about <laughs> Marjorie Taylor Greene. <laughs> you're a brave man, my friend. You're a brave man. <laughs> yeah. Now, with that too, like, and as these start taking off, you like a lot of people love these, and like you said, like you may think that the Emperor Palpatine and Donald Trump tweets went a little bit longer than maybe you would have liked. But did <laughs> yeah. you ever feel obligation to keep those going because people, you know, like mm. people liked them so much, or was it just like whenever you wanted to do it type of thing? Yeah, no. If I saw a tweet that was especially insane, <laughs> like I'd be like, oh, well, this would be funny if. Palpatine was reading this. Right, and, right. And, and it, it was really like, what gag can I put at the end of this bit of this tweet that will be funny? Like the one where he's like, you know, we want to play. Where, where he's <laughs> tweeting about uh, reopening the college stadium. Yeah. Or whatever it was. And I was like, oh, well, it'd be funny to have Palpatine spinning a basketball on his finger and <laughs> yeah. hitting a golf club. And so like, that was it. It was just an excuse to kind of just do stuff like that. And the Marjorie videos, I mean, I, I, yes, I did feel obligated to do a third one just because I had done two of them. Right, and right. I, and I wanted it to be a trilogy. Yes. But then I ended up doing a fourth one where it was just her shitting her pants for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> which, was, which was so stupid. But, but well I really worth only, it, though. I, I, yeah, I mean, but really, uh, most of these, because, you know, keep in mind, my, my job is to, like, think of stuff like this all day yes. long. That that is like easily consumed by people of all sorts of comedic sensibilities. Absolutely. So, so it's like, you know, on my off time, if I when I get bored, that's what. And I'm like, oh, no radio station is going to play a minute of Marjorie Taylor Greene. <laughs> yeah, right, 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 right. <laughs> so like, <laughs> for a while, it was like, 
I just want Mark Hamill to notice me again. Yeah, yeah. So with that, um, I know we're coming up kind of closer to time here, and I don't want to keep you from the family for too long or anything. That's fine. Nobody's here. Oh, I'm here by myself. So. Perfect. <laughs> I don't feel Take as guilty time. then. Yeah. So like, what uh, what's coming down the pipeline for you guys now? You guys, who's you guys? Me and me and you Ari. And, uh, you me? and Ari. You and Gina. I know, like Gina's got a comedic background too. Do y'all have anything that y'all maybe? Where, yeah. I know she's been on the the podcast some with you guys, with you and Ari. But yeah, she was. She was a guest on. Uh, she's actually in every episode. Yes. Um. She's she does the voice at the beginning. Yes, the, she uh, does. The, the, the yeah, this voice. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I I don't no no plans as of yet. As for me and Ari, we're just kind of figure, still kind of figuring out, getting these episodes out and getting this podcast done. And uh, other than that, I mean, you know, we we are just kind of trying to grow that. Yep, absolutely. Um, Gina and I, I mean, we're married now, so you know, we uh, we got no other plans now for right. forever. That's we're, it. We're boring. We're right. boring now. That's the adult part they don't <laughs> tell you about. Yeah, that's right. Gene and I are actually really enjoying the relaxing now that now that the wedding's over. And Absolutely, there's really this is one of those rare times where there's nothing to plan for, really. You know? Even better. So, so uh, yeah, I wish I had more coming up. Oh, but uh, trust me, I'm sure something's going to change. I, like there, I know it comes in ebbs and flows, but man, I know there's going to be a lot more coming, and maybe Trump will get back on Twitter somehow. Oh, and, uh, God. Maybe he'll <laughs> be him with fake nose and glasses and be like, right. oh, uh. the old John Barron Twitter comes back or something. <laughs> right, right, right. It's either that or Eric takes over the fame. I don't know which one will right. be worse, but oh, good Lord. I, th- there's two two sides of this. Yeah. Like, I don't know when this will air. Maybe something will have changed yeah. between this moment and when this gets posted. But they're never. None of them are really going to face any meaningful consequences. For yeah. Yeah. And nobody. I, no. Nobody is. Nobody ever will. <laughs> so. So you know they're not going anywhere. Yeah. You know, that's nobody's it. Nobody's going anywhere. That's the good news for all of us. Yep. I mean, in, in our case, that's a lot more material for you to have in your arsenal, and for us on the other end to enjoy if we're not so easily offended or so far yeah. to that side. Exactly. There was a time when when Trump was president. Obviously, it's like. Every day it was like, okay, we got to do something on Trump because he did this or said this. Yeah, and then and then when he allegedly lost the election, right. people were like, wow, what are you going to do now? You're not going to have anybody to make fun of. It's like, are, are you kidding? Have you seen this guy? I mean, have you seen? I mean, the new guy. I mean, have you seen him? Yeah. I mean, he's like, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's great. It's, it's great. It, there, there's never any shortage of of squeezing comedy out of the the turnip that is society i mean that's that's so true and i mean like uh just to reference kyle dunnigan for example i mean like you know he had his trump thing now he's got his joe biden thing he's got his feminist thing like there's something like like you said society is like the never-ending fruit that you can just squeeze so much from and right there's something for everybody so long as you look at it from that comedic perspective yeah and that's the great thing about you know when when you're in uh you know when you're in improv classes and stuff they mm-hmm. always the the big thing is like what's the game of this scene like what's yeah. the unusual what's the unusual thing about about this scene right and that's the great thing about news is because it's so easy to find the unusual thing about any news story because the reason why it's news is because it's unusual mm-hmm. so so as long as there's news of any kind if your job is to find something funny, it's it'll be working forever. Yep. I mean, that's the truth of it. And society right now, especially, does need more humor. Not so much yeah. uptightness, more humor, so everybody can yeah. find some middle ground somewhere. Yeah. Once once you kind of f- figure out the science of why something is funny, and I sound so like such a douchebag, <laughs> but uh, but you know, it's true it's, though. It, 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 it's just endless. I mean, that's why it's like this show that I'm doing with Ari. It's like people are like, oh, how are you, are you? How long can you guys do this show? How long can you? Well, I mean, forever. Yeah. I mean, it's you can do comedy forever. You can. I mean, it may not be great, but it's something. That's I mean, true. You, you can, yeah. So. 
And I guess I'd, I'd be, I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't ask this question, but with the way things are going today, um, especially with what people will call cancel culture or politically cor- or political correctness, like, have y'all ever had to reel it back on a joke or ever had to wonder, like, man, maybe that's too far in one direction? Or do you even see that, like, having an overall major effect on comedy as a whole? Well, I'm already, you know, my... Don't let tweets fool you. My mind is already already works in a way that is like to to appease like PG thirteen yes crowds uh, like easily offended like super offensive comedy is, has never really been that funny to be anyway right. to begin with and uh, you know we have we have the luxury of being able to after we're done with a doing it basically an improvised. 30 minute long show or mm-hmm. however long it is. Some of them have been an hour to be able to go back and just take out stuff. Yeah, like absolutely like, true. Like, uh, like, uh, like the big bosses are not going to like this. So we should get rid of this. <clears throat> so, you know, I, I read an article at some, somewhere, maybe it was Vox or something. I don't know what it was, but, um, it was about Chappelle. Yeah. About, about, you know, cancel culture and about, about this idea of canceling, being canceled which I totally get. I totally get the fear of it. I get it. I think what what people fear more is is obscurity mm-hmm. and and not being talked about anymore. So uh so that's the fear. I I don't think that anybody really is worrying about that. I think I think the one the ones that come that I don't know. Maybe, or maybe I'm completely wrong. Who knows. I think that you said it's uh <laughs> But but I don't but me personally I don't really worry too much about that because yeah. I tend to err on the side of like just weirdness as opposed to like right. offensive like like I know what voices not to do I know what yeah. accents not to do I, just because I, I just do like I, I have something in my brain that knows it like like again I'm like trained to like not upset higher ups absolutely uh, I I get that. Yeah, I mean, I've got a kid, and I've got like, a, I've got, I've got rent to pay. Yeah, so absolutely. Like, the last thing I want to do is jeopardize it by. Yeah, absolutely, and that kind of that kind of brings everything into perspective right there too. And not to get like too like into the family life and everything, but like with him being so young and kind of coming into those formative years, you got him over the fear of, of Emperor Palpatine and everything. <laughs> Have you seen him like noticing any likes or interests in comedy or following in dad's footsteps? Oh, yes. Oh man. Yes, definitely. He's like a, he's a, he's a little comedian. He loves it. If I do something that makes my wife laugh, he'll start doing the same thing. Nice. Cause he, he likes the way he knows the way it feels when kids laugh at him yeah. or when pe- people laugh at him. And, uh, and he's like, Oh, if dad's doing that and she's laughing at that, I'm going to just do the exact same thing. Absolutely. And, and people will laugh at it. But yeah, definitely. I mean, that's, that, that's ever since he was able to talk. I mean, he's been like a singing a day. He has perfect pitch. <laughs> we, we, we took him to, um, flappers. They do a thing called two milk minimum. There's a comedy club, uh-huh. Called Flapp- Flappers in Burbank. They do this thing called Two Milk Minimum with this guy Michael Rayner, who's uh, he's like a juggler and he's a, mm-hmm. like a, maybe he does magic too. I don't think so. I think he just does juggling. We've brought him to this show, my my kid to to this show maybe three times, three or four times. He loves it. It's like comedy for kids. Yeah, right? and um, two of the times, three of the times, he's gone on stage. You know, he's like, hey, any kids want to come up here and help me out with this trick or whatever? And one of the times he went on stage, he grabbed the mic and he's like, (laughs) you know, he's like four at the time. So, you know, what he's saying isn't making any sense. He's like, poop this and poops in your face. and Right. But the kids are just like, they think, I mean, he was like Chris Rock up there. They're like howling at this kid. And uh, he's just so exhilarating to him. You can see in his eyes. He's just like, like he's really got that stage adrenaline. So, yeah, I think that he probably has something like that in him. I love uh, that. I love that. And sooner or later, he's going to be old enough to see his dad dressed as Marjorie Taylor Green on Twitter. <laughs> and he's going to 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have a lot of explaining to do. No, he, he thinks that stuff's hilarious. Yeah. Who knows? You may end up passing down the family dress at that point. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. Gina comes in and she's like, did you stretch out another one of my blouses? (laughs) Uh, Not me. It was him. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's right. (laughs) Well, man, this has been a this has been an awesome and fun interview. And like I said, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to do that. So, oh, yeah, thank you. It's great. I am eternally grateful for you, uh, you know, taking the time just. To, I guess and I'll put it in my perspective, talking to a fan, you know, just doing this and taking your time and being so open about your story, man. I really appreciate that. Oh, of course. I'm happy to do it. I wish that I was a little bit more uh, eloquent. I have learned that I that I stopped myself mid story when I realized that it's not really going anywhere <laughs> and I'm not making not making any sort of point. Not gonna lie, I actually uh, I had a similar situation like that with an interview I did last night where I was trying to get to the question and I went three different ways around it, had to stop, hit rewind, and start all over again. So yeah, yeah, I'm right the there time. with you. Yeah, I. It, it's, when I uh, I'll go back and I'll edit some of these. Uh, these shows I do with Ari and I'm like re-listening to it. Yeah. Like Andy, get to the point. You know, what, what do you, <laughs> like, there's a lot of like, you know, you know what I mean? Nobody knows what you mean. You're not saying anything. <laughs> Been there, done that, especially yeah. in wrestling. Just grab the hold, grab the hold, grab the hold and we'll figure it out from there. Yeah. But yeah, man, like I said, I, I, I'm so grateful that you took the time here tonight, and I want to make sure that everybody that isn't already listening gets tuned into This Is American's Laugh, or This American's no. Laugh now. I'm sorry, I'm so used no, to it's the... This, it's this, Ameri- this American Laugh. This American Laugh. Okay, I was trying to combine the old name and the new name, so my bad yeah. on that. This no, American all, Laugh. It's all good. But we'll have links in the show notes, and I'll also have a link to your Twitter, too, so people okay. can keep up with what you're doing. They can see the comedy, and, you know, just have a good laugh, hopefully, and share it with somebody else. There, there won't be any more Palpatine videos, I right. swear. No more Marjorie Taylor Green. I'll think of some other stuff. I did have Press Secretary Kaylee McMillaney <laughs> yes. for a while. Yes. <laughs> it's all fake news. <laughs> That was fun. Uh, I love it. Absolutely. And hopefully we can get this guy to his blue check mark on Twitter, too. I know that was a thing for a while. So Don't even tease me. That's never (laughs) happening. I know it's never happening. I have to deal with this other Andy Harris, the the congressman, until until he gets... uh, what, what, what do they call it when they redraw the district lines? Gerrymandered out. Yeah, we'll go with that. We'll see if that happens. You know, I actually actually befriended... The woman that was running against him in in 2010, <laughs> they asked me to make a video for, you know, the Democratic Party something yeah. or other, some some debutante ball they were having, or I don't know what it was, like some some something. And I made a video for them as, <laughs> as like, hey, this is Andy Harris, the real one, not the <laughs> other one. And uh, you know, did a bunch. I did like Palpatine. I did like Sam Elliott. Yeah, I guess they liked it, but. Uh, no, there's another Andy Harris. He's a Republican congressman in Maryland, Maryland's first district. So he's he's the one who tried to bring a gun into Congress. Yeah. I don't know if you remember, remember that Yeah, story. I do. The, the, the other Andy Harris on that. If you ever see Marjorie Taylor Greene on, uh, at a podium with a, a group of people behind her uh, talking about how we shouldn't, well, we shouldn't have to wear masks at the, uh, on the Congress floor, <laughs> he's always one of the guys behind her. Okay? So yep. he has my... He has my elusive blue check mark. And every once in a while, I'll search my own name on Twitter. And people, you know, a lot of people hate this guy. Yeah. And, you know, people will say, like, oh, Andy Harris sucks. And Andy Harris is so full. And I'll go through and I'll like all of, all of those <laughs> because I know, I know that there has to be some, like, a dopamine spike. Whenever somebody sees, like, oh my god, Andy <laughs> Andy Harris just liked that I called him a shithead. Yeah, you know? so uh, <laughs> it's been pretty pretty nice. Oh, I can only imagine, man. I didn't even think about that, but that's awesome. Yeah. But I'll never I'll never get that blue check mark. So that's the one thing that we don't joke about is the blue check. Mark. <laughs> and I can tell it. They can't see you on camera, but I can. I can tell how serious of a subject that is. So <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But man, seriously, again, thank you. And 
thank you for uh, for taking the time here tonight, for being so generous with everything and just being so open. Um, like I said, I'll make sure I have links to your Twitter and then also to This American Laugh uh, so that people can get subscribed to the podcast, get caught up on previous episodes, and hopefully, you know, share that, have some laughs, and just keep the train rolling. Sweet. All right. Thank you. Thank you, sir. And guys, thank you all for tuning in again this week. Uh, We'll have another awesome guest next week. I want to thank our sponsors again for keeping this show rolling. Make sure you're following us on all social media platforms. we got Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Make sure you're subscribing on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts from. Leave us a five-star review on Apple. And make sure you tune in next week for another awesome episode. Andy, thank you again. Thank you. Yes, sir. It was my pleasure. And guys, I can't wait to talk to you guys again. And I know you hear me. Howdy, folks. This is Willard Wingnut. And I'm sure we've all heard the same expression. A woman works from sun till sun, but a voiceover works from noon till one. And I thought, hey, I want to be one of them. So I decided to get some lessons in voice acting. And of course, what I did was looked up the best voiceover coach I could possibly find, which was Alicia Bowman. So basically, this is what I sounded like six months ago. But today, I sound like this. I begin every sentence with, in a world. In a world where there were a million mediocre voiceover coaches. Where they were like lukewarm roller dogs at 7-Eleven. There was one that stood out head and shoulders above the rest. The one and only Elise Bowman. And she can coach you too. Go to EliseCoaches.com. That's E-L-I-S-E Coaches.com. And you can become a voiceover too. Now back to my regular voice. That's right. She's like magic. So check her out. And if you have half as much fun as she does, well, she'll have twice as much fun as you. Thank you.